You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, The Alabama-Miami game is getting closer and closer. And with that in mind, we figured we'd we'd reach out to our friend at Bama Online, Travis Ryer. We had Travis on, I think, early August, late July, to kind of give a nice snapshot about what we needed to know uh, about the Crimson Tide going into fall camp. So now that it is game week, we'd figure we'd reach out to Travis once again to discuss kind of what they've learned about the team uh, during the course of fall camp. Uh, again, Bama Online, the 24-7 sports site, does a great job of, of uh, providing insight into the team. And I would also recommend the Bama Online podcast that Travis runs over there. If you guys want to look behind enemy lines, I recommend you guys checking out the content they got going on both those platforms. Um, Travis, let's just jump into it, man. I guess, um, you know, fall camp essentially wrapped up. We're here in the final days leading up to the game. What do you feel like is the biggest thing you've learned about this Alabama team during this preseason? I don't know if we learned anything. I think we had sort of reaffirmed for us, David, that the defensive side of the ball, at least early in the season, is anticipated to be more of the identity of Alabama football than it's been in the last two or three years, which sounds crazy because historically Alabama and defense has gone hand in hand. But as we know, with the quarterback play that Alabama has had over the last three or four years, just look at NFL rosters as they were finalized or at least initially finalized on Tuesday. You got Tua Tonga-Vailoa down there with you guys and the Miami Dolphins. You've got Mac Jones now as the starter up in New England, also in the AFC East. So, you know, that's been more of what the program's been about. But with all those departures, not only at quarterback and at wide receiver as well, no, you're looking at a defense that returns largely intact, especially when you consider big play production and negative play production with guys like Will Anderson, Christian Harris, Jordan Battle on the back end, Josh Job at corner. No, I had a departure or two of note. Certainly Patrick Sertan, the second at corner, ranks chief among those. But again, defensively, it was sort of just restated. Uh, carryover from spring practice that, you know, that side of the ball early should be very good and still going into the season, trying to figure some things out on the offensive side of the ball. The offensive lines had some injuries, some absences going back to the spring through fall camp that sort of prevented them from developing maybe the continuity they would like, but uh, they have a promising young quarterback in Bryce Young. They have talent at the wide receiver positions, still sorting through some of that, but John Mechie, as expected, the number one guy in that rotation. Then you get into a transfer, and Jamison Williams from Ohio State is going to be next up. And a couple of guys in the slot, Slade Bolden, more of a dependable option, and JoJo Earl, a true freshman who has really come on. Talk about a revelation of fall camp. I think JoJo Earl, the freshman from Texas, would rank as a qualifier there. You, you touched on one of the talking points I want to get into, and that's the defense, right? And I know right now it's only on paper and, and things will be decided during the course of the season. And, uh, you know, at Alabama, there's certainly an insanely high standard of play on that side of the ball, right? During the Nick Saban era, uh, especially. But in, in your opinion, you know, if you're projecting things forward, um, is there a chance when all is said and done, this could be the best defense of the Saban era. And maybe the numbers won't, won't bear that out because college football is different than it was at the beginning of the Nick Saban era. But maybe just in terms of, of pure talent and pure depth, do you think this defense could be in that conversation of the best one of the Nick Saban era? 
it's interesting, David, because it's almost really two different eras within one in terms of how the game is being played on the offensive side of the ball. If you go back to 2011, for instance, and look at that Alabama defense, it's base 11 starters. I believe pretty much all those guys not only signed or were drafted by NFL teams, they they made checks. They played uh, in the National Football League. Again, though, different era just in the last eight, nine, ten years in terms of how offenses are going about their business. 2011, not so much the RPO game that we see prevalent across the sport now. Not so much the hurry-up, no-huddle tempo approach that took root more and more in the years to follow that 2011 team. So 2011 would still rank up there, I think, for most Alabama fans. 2009, Saban's first national championship team. That defense would need to be considered as well. And even a team that didn't win it all. 2016 lost that heartbreaker in the 2017 college football playoff national championship game to Deshaun Watson and the Clemson Tigers in Tampa. You could go through that roster looking back. Guys like Marlon Humphrey, Eddie Jackson in the secondary, really across the board. Jonathan Allen up front. Deron Payne was a part of that team. The linebacker level, you had guys like Reuben Foster, Ryan Anderson, Tim Williams on the edges. That was a tremendously talented defense. But this one has a chance, and certainly, again, for this sort of, quote, new era of right. offensive football uh, that we're seeing at the college level, uh, you know, it, it's relative uh, in terms of statistical production. Saban's gotten to the point where he talks more in the in the way of uh, – um, stops instead of right. uh, instead of stats is the way he refers to it. So that's what they'll be looking to do on Saturday: get off the field on third down, you know, limit red zone production for Miami when the Hurricanes get in there, and you know, try to keep this thing manageable. If I mean on paper, it is hard to find any quote unquote weak spot on this defense. But going into this game, what is maybe an area of the defense where you're, you're kind of keeping an eye on and wondering how they perform uh, in terms of a starting point game one of this season? I think you have to look at the secondary. I think it's an area where there is great quality with guys like Jordan Battle and Josh Job at the safety and corner positions respectively, but you are replacing a guy like Patrick Sertan II at the other corner. Jalen Armour Davis is a veteran, plenty of time in the program, plenty of time in the system. It looks like he's going to get that opportunity first there at that other corner position. And then you've had an injury at the one safety spot opposite Jordan Battle. DeMarco Ellums uh, in fall camp went out with a sprained ankle. He's just now getting back to running as a part of his rehab. So, the expectation more so that you'll likely see a second-year player at that other safety in Brian Branch. Now, look, Brian Branch, by all early accounts, what we saw last year because he was a big part of their dime package, even saw him in the nickel at the slot corner position after Malachi Moore went out late in the season. Very, very talented player, very promising future, has all the looks of a future NFL guy. but it could be a little bit different based on what they were anticipating there at the safety positions. And yeah, I go back to armor Davis. He's been extremely solid since the spring right on through fall camp. Uh, but I have little doubt that you know, Miami, when it looks to challenge Alabama in either the intermediate and or vertical passing games, will probably look at armor Davis fairly early. Tell me about Will Anderson, you know, obviously a ton of, uh, preseason expectations, but, um, you know, how special is he as a pass rusher? I know he's also a very good run defender, but I, I want to focus on his pass rushing ability, ability to wreck the game in that regard. Um, Alabama's had some great ones right off the edge. Um, Will Anderson up there amongst those guys already, considering he's only going into his second season, but had a tremendous freshman year last year, you would think he's going to build on that in 2021. 
Yeah, he looks to have had just a tremendous offseason. As impressive physically as he was as a first-year guy a year ago, he's advanced. He's taken another step, pretty obvious, and just looking at him uh, out there in individual drills early on in fall camp. That that looked to be the case for Will Anderson, and that speaks to his work ethic, which probably doesn't get emphasized enough. This isn't just an immensely talented dynamic guy and Will Anderson. This is a guy that works as hard as any player they have, not only at his position, but perhaps across the roster. So you combine those two attributes and this is what you get in a six foot four, 234 pound sophomore who I think other than Kayvon Thibodeau of Oregon, the Ducks outstanding edge defender who we're going to hear a ton about and rightfully so throughout the 2021 season. I think Will Anderson has that type of potential in terms of the ability to dominate games from time to time. So, yeah, he emerged kind of as a unicorn by Alabama defensive standards, especially under Nick Saban, in that as a true freshman, he was an every-down guy at outside linebacker. We've seen freshmen come in and be utilized on a situational basis in terms of pass rush and things like that. But, you know, Will Anderson's maturity, I think, is underscored by the fact that on early downs a year ago, he was trusted and advanced enough in some ways that young players at that spot typically aren't, that he was able to also do a really good job against the run. So you combine him with Christopher Allen on the other side, and no doubt about it, expectations for this edge pass rush anyway for Alabama are as high as they've been in a number of years. In terms of, of the things you want to learn, you know, about Alabama from this game, right? Maybe question marks, right? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just reading stuff from Bama online. And I think you've touched on it already a little bit here on the podcast. Uh, but it seems like you're, you and the staff at Bama online are a little interested to find out maybe how cohesive, how, how, together the offensive line plays in this game one is that fair to say oh yeah I think so I think the offense in general just who is this offense right I mean you kind of knew what to expect the last two or three years with all that skill talent the wide receiver positions Najee Harris at running back uh, you still had continuity at quarterback last year because Mac had an opportunity late in the 2019 season to start a couple of three games. So you don't have that with this offense. So there is far more intrigue about the identity and what this offense will look to establish early and who at a number of spots as there's been since probably 2016. So yeah, the offensive line, obviously a starting point for all of that. Evan Neal going from right tackle to left tackle, a veteran and Kendall Randolph who has had an injury issue of his own in this preseason with an ankle. You know, is he the guy at right tackle? It appears that will be the case. He's been utilized in a number of roles throughout his career, including tight end as much as anywhere to this point. So, you know, how that works out at the right tackle position, there's even been questions about the center position this preseason, which you know, I think Alabama figured that would be a seamless transition from one veteran in Landon Dickerson to another in six-year senior Chris Owens. But Owens has had some issues in the preseason that has led to a third-year player in Darian Dahlcourt jumping into that competition. And so you're going to be looking at that spot in pregame warm-ups on Saturday to see exactly who is snapping the football to Bryce Young. You know, offensive line play can be broken down to two different parts, right? Pass pro and, and run blocking. Um, would it be fair to say, you know, just considering the size athleticism of, of Alabama's offensive line, you would feel better in going into this first game, right? Things can improve during the course of the year, but this first game, would you feel better about the run blocking compared to the pass protection right now? And do you think that could impact, you know, maybe how the game is called in this game one uh, for Alabama's offense? Yeah, I think there's consideration for that. You know, Evan Neal, I feel like at left tackle is going to be just fine. But again, the right tackle position, you wonder a little bit about even the interior to an extent because of the center 
situation right now. I think Javion Cohen at left guard and a returning starter and Emil Echior at right guard, they're going to help alleviate some of that concern in terms of interior pass pro. Um, you know, and Miami's obviously trying to find some answers on the edge. I mean, you lose right. Jalen Phillips as a first rounder, Gregory Rousseau, uh, uh, Quincy Roche. Those are NFL guys that, that Miami's looking to replace. So, you know, that will be an interesting matchup where both lines of scrimmage are concerned. Uh, the Alabama offensive line and its pass protection. And then also uh, how Miami goes about replacing some really talented guys there in the pass rush. And kind of an understated, undervalued part of all this is Najee Harris, in addition to being just a next level receiver, was exceptional in pass protection, picking up blitzes. Uh, and the like. He he advanced as much in that area of his game as he probably did in any other aspect of running back play during his time at Alabama. So for a veteran like Brian Robinson, when you see him at the top of the depth chart at running back for Alabama right now, pass pro, especially with a young quarterback breaking in there for UA, I'm sure that's right there at the top of the list of reasons why if he's the first back out there for Alabama Saturday afternoon, that'll have a lot to do with it. Yeah, you transitioned me perfectly to Bryce Young, right? And I just want to know, you know, Alabama, of course, has been a a quarterback factory here uh, in recent years. And I think the expectation is fair for Bryce Young to be um, right in line with that, you know, eventually. But but I would just want to ask you, like, for this first game, first start of his college career, first game of this season, what is your expectation for Bryce Young going into this game? And, and, you know, as a kind of second part to that, in general, from what you've seen, does Nick Saban look to get his quarterback kind of settled into his first start from what you've seen or what you can maybe remember off the top of your head? I know I'm putting you on the spot with that, but curious what you expect for Bryce Young specifically in this game. Yeah, I think there's a perception out there that this is going to be sort of a training wheels approach yeah. to Bryce Young's debut as the starter. I don't necessarily buy that. Okay. If it is, I think it'll have as much to do with trying to replace what this offense is looking to replace more so on the outside than the quarterback position. Bryce is, we use the word dynamic so much, but it it illustrates it speaks to his skill set and he's not the biggest guy in the world, but I don't think you necessarily want to fall into the trap of just more of a traditional approach where it's pound, 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 and then have Bryce make some throws from the pocket. If you want to maximize Bryce Young's value, I think you got to continue to uh, carry over what you've done in the RPO game from the past Um, he is very twitchy in the pocket when it comes to that somewhat reminiscent in RPOs to what you saw from a healthy Tua Tonga Vailoa at Alabama. So yeah, I definitely think Alabama is going to look to achieve some semblance of balance. I think that's going to be critical for both offenses in this game. Got to be able to run the football to some extent, but I don't necessarily look at Bryce Young finishing the game. Uh, in the neighborhood of 18 to 22 pass attempts. I think they're going to try to throw it around a little bit. Now, some of that will be in the quick game. I know Miami likes to do this too uh, with its offense, flip it out to the wide receivers on the perimeter, try to get a block or two and free up playmakers that way, even jet sweeps where you see the short pitch that counts as completion. So there will be some of that still in this offense, but You know, with Jamison Williams coming in from Ohio State, I think that's a critical piece to the wide receiver puzzle because he gives them an additional speed guy on the outside to go along with John Mechie. And what that does is that prevents or maybe discourages Miami from thinking, you know what, we think we can come up and man up against these guys. There's no Jerry Judy out here. There's no Henry Ruggs III, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith. Maybe we'll man up. Maybe we'll play some single high safety against Alabama and commit an extra defender to the run game. So with that, it wouldn't surprise me very early in the game if that is maybe an approach Miami takes to coverage to see Young take some shots down the field because 
he has that ability to to strike nicely in the intermediate to deep passing games. I just got two more for you. And, and I know um, coming into fall camp, you were kind of emphasizing how you were curious what you'd learn or, or, or the feeling would be with the explosive passing game, because that's mm-hmm. been such a key to success, right? And you've touched on a little bit, but in general, do you feel like that element, that potential is is going to be there in game one? I think with Williams coming in, it certainly heightens the possibility of it being there. Do I think this offense on Saturday is going to produce 21 offensive plays of 10 yards or more, which is what last year's offense averaged? Wow. No, I don't think so. I think that's an unrealistic expectation. But again, with Mechie good to go, with Jamison Williams joining that mix, and now a true freshman in JoJo Earl showing you some of the characteristics you had the last three seasons in the form of Jalen Waddell, that helps. I think where you also have to consider the explosiveness the explosive nature of this offense is what you're trying to replace in Najee Harris because not just in handing the football to Najee, you could throw it to him. And as we saw last season, especially he upped his explosive play uh, contributions as a senior. So, you know, it's all around the quarterback position. They've had some questions about Jalil Billingsley, the tight end in the preseason. So you wonder exactly to what extent he's going to be utilized in the opener. I know Nick Saban hasn't been happy with him during the preseason. So uh, I think, you know, they've averaged 45 plus points per game over the last, each of the last three seasons. Right. You know, I think a more realistic consideration for this offense is more along the lines of 2017 when they were, say, around 37, 38, because that's a ridiculous stretch of three yeah. years to be 45 plus. That's right. that's the exception. That's not the rule around even college football. So no doubt I've been harping on the explosive play production and how much of it has gone out the door. And, you know, it, it's it, you got to you got to temper expectations more so because of how explosive and dynamic that previous wave was. It's not a knock on this next sure. group, but you got to see them do it before you can even start to talk about them in terms similar to, to the guys that preceded them. And uh, last thing, I guess, just in all football games always are determined by many different facets, right? But if you had to, if you had to boil this game down to one thing, you know, from an Alabama perspective, um, what, what do you think will determine the outcome, right? I mean, Alabama is a, heavily favored team, right? So maybe they don't even need to play the cleanest of games, but just what's the one thing maybe you're looking at uh, from your perspective where it's like, okay, I think Alabama can win maybe comfortably. Um, and it it's basically because it boils down to this. It's boring, but probably turnover margin. You know, I think when you look at the rosters, there's not an argument to be made that Alabama isn't the more talented of the two teams. Although you have to take into consideration the veteran nature of this Miami team with an emphasis on the offensive side of the ball and really across the board. But um, when Alabama takes care of the football and takes away the ball and typical of just about any team, I guess you could say they are especially tough to beat. So again, I don't think they're going to get too exotic on offense. I don't think they're going to be totally milk toast either uh somewhere in the middle of that um but you know try to defensively make miami one-dimensional uh, you know dearrick king just an incredible collegiate career you want to find out i think on early downs exactly to what extent he's going to be involved in that zone read run sure. game uh see where that knee's at in his recovery i think for miami he has to have some type of presence as a runner. Uh, I don't. Right. I, I know Cam Harris is a tough runner. Uh, uh, you know, I I love to watch him run the football because he's very physical, um, Cameron Harris. And so early downs, you know, how does Alabama take care of business in the front seven against that Miami run game, and then you know see if Derek King, more so from the pocket 
as much as anything else can beat you through the year. I, I think defensively, that's sort of the to-do list for the Crimson Tide. And then I don't want, I don't want a score prediction from you, but I am curious, Travis, do you feel like right now I'm looking, the line is 19 and a half. Um, do you feel like Alabama covers? Man, I don't think I would touch that um, because I, I, I just don't, I don't know enough about this Alabama offense still. I, I know it's talented. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think, if that happens, it'll have as much to do with the Alabama defense being what a lot of folks think it's going to be sure. um, during the 2021 season. I would probably lean if I'm going to talk, you know, Vegas or lines right. or things like that, I would probably lean more. And I don't even know exactly what this number is uh, on Wednesday, uh, the total. I, I would probably yeah. look more at the, and a half right now. The under would probably attract my attention more yeah, than I agree. than the 19 and a half, you know? I agree. Well, Travis, appreciate you uh, taking time with us, breaking down Alabama going into this game. Um, again, follow Travis's work at Bama Online and go listen to the Bama Online podcast. They'll break it down at an even deeper level over there. Travis, thanks again. Let's take a break here. And on the other side, Gabby and I will get into some mailbag questions from our posters at Inside the U. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Travis Ryer from Bama Online. Again, wanted to thank him for jumping on the podcast here, uh, talking some Miami, Alabama. Uh, on the second half, like I said, wanted to open up the mailbag ask our subscribers at InsideTheU.com, you know, if they had any questions specifically pertaining to this Alabama-Miami game. And we are here to answer the questions. I think we got some good ones here, Gabby. Um, so let's just jump into it. I think we'll be, f we'll, we'll try at least to be fairly quick with our answers because we got quite a few questions and we want to get to as many as possible. Um, so Let's jump into it here. This one's from The Real Herd Fever, and he asks, what is Alabama's weakness that can be exploited? He says, for me, it's the speed of their defense, the lack of continuity on their offensive line, and inexperience at the offensive skill positions. He also adds, um, judging off Nick Saban's press conferences, he thinks team leadership for Alabama might be a weakness as well. So I'll go first here, Gabby. I don't know if I agree with the uh, speed of the defense being a weakness for Alabama. I think they're very fast. Um, you know, he might be speaking about that because Alabama kind of runs more of a three, four, uh, defense and so their their three defensive linemen are bigger guys that that eat up blocks um but then the entire rest of the defense is extremely fast um so i would push back on that i think 
the speed of edge guys like Will Anderson and Christopher Allen make up for the lack of speed maybe on the interior. Again, I think that's by design. Miami or Alabama wants to be bigger up front um, because the SEC is a bigger up front type of league. Um, so where do I kind of see some weaknesses potentially? You know, I agree. I think Alabama's offensive line, it's going to be talented and it's going to be good. Like, I don't think it's going to be a train wreck unit. Um, but I think there are some things Miami can do because they are a new group. Um, you know, gelling and continuity is something they will have to show in game one and something they will have to improve on as the season progresses. So if I'm Miami, I'm coming out, I'm running some stunts with the defensive line. I'm playing some cat and mouse games with the, uh, the back seven in terms of creeping up to the line of scrimmage and showing different looks. Um, I think on offense, in my opinion, I think in the passing game, Miami's going to need to utilize the tight ends and the running backs, you know, while Alabama's linebackers are really good. Uh, I do think, you know, linebackers in general struggle with pass coverage, right? So Miami's going to need to attack that phase. Uh, in my opinion, you got Will Mallory, Elijah Arroyo, Cameron Harris, Don Chaney. I've all shown the ability to make plays in the passing game. I think, you know, between that, those two position groups, I kind of think Miami needs to be 120 yards receiving uh, between the tight ends and running backs. And then lastly, I'll touch on the leadership thing, right? Uh, and I agree. I think it is a question mark, uh, specifically when you look at quarterback, right? Um, leadership at that position does matter. And Alabama has had a tremendous run on fantastic leaders at that position in recent years with Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, and Mac Jones, right? That's as good as it gets from a leadership standpoint at the quarterback position beyond their ability to play at a high level as well. Now, I do think Bryce Young is going to be a very good college quarterback, um, but how does he respond to some adversity? That's a question he needs to answer here in this first game. And just being around him a little bit, right, uh, at the high school level, like seven-on-seven seven type stuff. To me, he, he was kind of more of a quieter more of a kind of reserve type of guy. Now, has he grown into being more of the vocal leader that you'd like to see a quarterback? We'll find out, right? We'll see, like I said, how he does respond to that adversity. But Gabby, I'm curious, uh, what are some of your takes maybe on, on what is a potential quote unquote weakness for this Alabama team that you feel like Miami can exploit? Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like Again, weakness in Alabama, uh, right, that right. doesn't always sound right <laughs> just because of what they've been able to do. I mean, if you have to be like nitpicking, I mean, I guess the leadership of Bryce Young is a question. Again, we don't really know how he's going to respond. And sure, like, you know, I, I just feel like we haven't seen it yet. So I guess yeah. that is technically a question. Um, you know, yeah, you have the, you know, at skill position you lost. I mean, over the last two seasons, you've lost, what, five first round wide receivers Right. You know, there is a question in terms of just like, do they have a similar level of talent on the roster right now? I mean, you do have Malachi Moore, you have Jamison Williams, who, you know, guys that are very promising. And, you know, they've also signed a ton of really good wide receivers throughout the last few cycles as well. I mean, but those are technically questions. Um, weaknesses, I think that's still to be determined. But I mean, David, I feel like any questions there might have been, I feel like you answered them there. But uh, that's probably yeah. probably what I would add to that. There's also, you know, Jalen Armour Davis, the second corner, yeah. okay. the guy opposite of Joe, right? So we'll see. If I'm Miami, I attack him as well. Uh, but at the same time, the pass protection has to hold up in order for Miami to do that. So next question, Kane Cowboys, he asks, or he states personally, I think we have to stop the run first with Evan Neal being 350 plus pounds and having and Miami having defensive ends around 250. It's a concern on that side specifically. Has there been any talk if we are getting gashed by their running attack, maybe playing three defensive tackles and one defensive end to add more size up front? Um, I don't know. I'm just worried about the front seven size we have 
and if you've seen or heard of any contingency plan if we are getting gashed. So yeah, I think that's a fair question, right? And I'll just say this on the front end and I'll pass it off to you, Gabby. Today, Manny Diaz, Wednesday, following practice was asked about this, you know, if he's concerned about the size discrepancy between Alabama and Miami. And he kind of bristled at the question, quite frankly. And, and he said, you know, look, isn't this what, when Miami was great, isn't this what Miami was about having smaller, faster players? And he does contend that this defense is faster, much faster than last year. And so I think his point would be, he believes um, Miami's linebacker level can get to the ball carrier before the run blocker gets to them. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. I don't think, you know, to answer specifically the question here from Kane's Cowboy, I don't think you'll see any, any creative stuff there on the defensive line. I think if anything, in my opinion, you'll just see more of the back seven crowding yeah. the line of scrimmage. What do you think, Abby? Yeah, I think if, if, I mean, if, it, get, if it really comes down to that, I think you're just going to see more people like in the box. You know, they're just right. going to get more help from, you know, some of the backside guys. That obviously leaves you more vulnerable on the outside. You know, you're going to have to that, – that means putting, you know, guys like DJ Ivy or to Corey Couch or Tyreek Stevenson potentially in like man coverage against, you know, potentially some of the more dangerous wide receivers in the country. So, you know, I think the hope, I mean, if Miami's getting gashed, you know, in the run game, I just think that's just a bad sign of where this game's going in general. So, yeah. um, I mean, I think if Miami's just, if Miami can't, I mean, if Miami can't stop the run, it's going to be very hard for them to, to, you know, keep this game close and win the game like at all. So there is a um, chance Miami is simply overwhelmed physically yeah. and and talent wise, right? Mm-hmm. There is a chance that happens, and if that happens, look, you you just kind of tip your cap to Alabama and regroup and say, hey, at least we won't see another Alabama yeah. as the season progresses. So, next question from CB two three nine: What do you think Alabama's game plan will be on offense with a new quarterback? run heavy and control the clock or something else. I'll let you take this one first, Gabby. Yeah. You know, I feel like this is a, I feel like it's going to be a different approach than maybe we've seen from Alabama the last few years, you know, they've had like that stability at quarterback with Tua, like they know they can go out there and run what they need to run, run it fast, put up a ton of points, you know, with Mac Jones, that was just an absolute machine of just timing and just like, you know, just really just how that offense meshed was just unreal. I feel like there definitely is going to be a sort of hiccup, you know, especially with the new offensive coordinator, a few different offensive staffers. I would expect, you know, a quarterback playing in his first game to probably for them to just lean on the run more hope that they can run the ball against Miami. Cause again, I feel like that makes Alabama's life a lot easier. I think that makes Bryce Young's job a lot easier if they can run the ball successfully. So you know, if I, I mean, if I'm Miami, I'm assuming that they're going to try to run the ball down or down your throat and then, you right. know, obviously take their shots. So that's my sort of take on wh- what I expect to see from Alabama. I'm not going to expect them to come out here and, uh, you know, Bryce Young throwing consistently on first downs and all that stuff. I think they're going to try to beat Miami up front. Again, I think they know that they have a size advantage there. And I, I'm sure that they're going to try to, you know, take advantage of that, of that with, you know, again, first time starter, this is kind of what you do. It's kind of like the recipe for that. You don't want yeah. to put him in bad positions. You don't want to put him in a position where he makes mistakes if you don't have to. So would definitely expect Alabama to try to, you know, I don't even know if it's about controlling the clock. I think they're just going to try to just attack with Miami with the run game. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the goal for Alabama is to win the game. And I feel like they can, you know, I would think if I'm Alabama, I would feel good about my ability to impose my will against Miami's front seven. When you look back to that performance against North Carolina at the end of last season, right? So now Miami uh, is coming to this game with different personnel. It's a different year, right? Um, but still, I, I do think Alabama, that's why I think this first quarter is going to be telling, right? If Miami cannot stop the run in the first quarter, then yeah, all bets are off and they're going to let Bryce Young throw the ball around as much as he wants. Right. But, but if Miami shows the ability to stop the run in this, in that first quarter and forces Bryce Young to make plays, make throws, um, et cetera, you got a different ball game. So I agree. I mean, I do think Alabama in this first quarter, the game plan 
to be, I don't know if conservative is the right way, but just lean heavily on the run. I think you might see some rollouts, some boots, just uh, setting up Bryce Young uh, for easy throws on the run, on the move a little bit. I also think to RPO, it's going to be a heavy RPO. So, you know, kind of more like my opinion, I think it's going to be more the Tua style of offense, which was heavy RPO rather than the Mac Jones style Mm -hmm. of offense, which was more drop back passer still did some RPO, but more mostly drop back passing. Next question from blah 4020. If, and it's a big, if we were to win, who is the one player not named Derek King that you would expect to have the biggest impact on the game? Uh, leading to a win. So I'll let you take this, Gabby. Miami shocks the world. Can't say Derek King, but who's the guy? Give me a guy on both sides of the ball. Okay. Uh, on offense, I mean, I'll go Charleston Rambo. I, again, I feel like we've mentioned it on a couple of the pop. I think you need a big-time wide receiver one to sort of emerge. You need that guy that is going to go up and make things difficult. You know, Charleston Rambo scored, has scored on Alabama in the past. He did it in that college football uh, semifinal. Two was last year in Alabama. Um, you know, he scored against Florida in, I think it was a sugar bowl last year, you know, in Oklahoma's bowl game, you know, this is a guy that has experience playing in these sorts of atmospheres. I think if anyone not named De'Ara King is the difference maker, I think it's the guy he's throwing it to, and that's potentially Charleston Rambo. So that's who I'd probably go with on the offensive side, on the defensive side. I mean, I'd probably go like, I mean, I think if Miami wins the game, I think that means the front seven played well. And to me, that means yeah. hopefully the linebackers, the linebackers stepped up. Yeah, yeah I, I, I might honestly go Keontra Smith. I mean, it seems like he's right. had a good fall camp. I think that he's someone that, again, if Miami were to really take that step, I think he has to be someone that really, you know, took that next step and just really sort of not maybe not took over the game, but played an extremely efficient game and made a lot right. of plays for that front seven. So I would probably go Keontra Smith uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I agree defensively. I'll just say linebackers in general, which I think is where you're yeah. going with it too. Yeah. And then on offense, you know, again, I do feel like Will Mallory has mismatched potential, right? Like he's he's difficult for any any defense to cover in college football um, as an athletic tight end. Athletic tight ends are mismatched problems. Um, quite frankly, Alabama's had issues covering athletic tight ends in recent years. So I would highlight Will Mallory. Uh, Fisk Boulevard Kane asks, will we see, will we be seeing players like Chase Smith, Jalen Harrell, Kemp Kitchens, Keyshawn Washington, Deshaun Troutman contributing to special teams units in the opener? So I'll just take this, Gabby. We can move on. I I do, you know, he's basically asking, are we going to see freshmen, young players who aren't on the two deep? I think so. I would say yes to all those guys listed, except probably Troutman. Troutman, right, yeah. So I, I just think Troutman needs more time uh, physically developing in the program. So next question, Cody2036. I don't know if this would get you too off subject, but if we were competitive, let's say keep it within single digits, what recruits do you think that helps us most with? Uh, maybe, maybe recruits that aren't real high on us right now. Uh, but if Miami were competitive, could that change things, Gabby? I mean, yeah, I, I feel like it's hard to single out like one individual guy, like this will help this guy for sure. I think it just helps Miami's recruiting in general. I think it just shows that, you know, Miami is less than 10 points worse than Alabama. I mean, I think that's a big deal. I think that's what everyone's really looking for this year. I mean, you talked to I t- just talking to a lot of the crews. It's always kind of want to see how they play this year, um, all that stuff. So I think if Miami goes out and, you know, on this big, you know, nationally televised stage against the reigning national champs and you keep it extremely competitive, I mean, I think that's a big deal. I mean, for example, yeah. let's say a Shamar Stewart, he's going to be in the audience. You know, he just named Texas A&M and Ohio State as his, you know, two leaders with Miami and Georgia right behind them. Like, does Miami get into that for get back up into that first group? If uh, right. you know, there's a really competitive game. I think so. I just think it gives guys more to think about. I think it just shows guys that like, especially a lot of the local talent and stuff like, look, I can play, I can be a part of 
Like, you know, if Miami added me and maybe a couple other of my classmates, you know, we can we can give Miami 10 points to beat in Alabama. You know, we could be that little difference. Like, look how close they are to being on the cusp of taking off a top team like this. Like, I think it shows people that they're close. And, uh, you know, obviously you have to win the rest of the game. You can't just keep it close and then struggle down the road. I think you keep it close against Alabama. You do what you need to do the rest of the way. I think it helps a lot with multiple guys, you know, across the country. Yeah, and I think, too, like, to this guy's to this question's point, right? Um, like, I don't think there's some off, totally off the radar guy that, yeah. you know, I think Miami's recruiting board is, is kind of set right now. They know who they want, their targets, um, and, and they're kind of just chasing those guys right now. So it, well, to your point, Gabby, it would help Miami with those guys that already have a high level yeah. interest in Miami that they're exactly. trying to close on. Mario Kane, 94. If you're Miami, given our strengths and weaknesses, would you receive or defer if we won the coin toss? I'll let you take this first. Man, my, all right. So my, my thinking when I saw this question is just like, Miami's typically started slow, you know, with the way these games have gone. If that happens again, I don't want to give Alabama the ball to start the second half. It's not even about like, you know, I'm not even thinking about like, you know, trying to get momentum into the second half and just, I'm just thinking like if Miami doesn't start the way that they need to start, which is typically how they, how it's gone. I want a chance to at least pick back up to start the second half. So that's why I would probably defer. I'm not thinking like, Oh, our defense is going to go and you know, three and out, we're going to get the ball. I'm just thinking like, I'm trying to think ahead, probably think more just like, no, I think that's and stuff. So I would probably defer for those reasons. Yeah, that's very fair. I would defer as well. You know, I would put the pressure on Alabama's offense to try and go score on that first yeah. drive. Um, and in general, you know, I think Miami's strength is going to be the offense this year. Yeah. Miami's offense will have to go against probably the best defense in the country in that game. Um, but let's say Alabama does go and score. Okay. Miami's turn to try and respond. Right. Whereas if Miami's offense gets the ball first, goes three and out, you know, is there a wind out of your sails type of feeling after doing that? So I would defer as well. Um, but I wouldn't be, you know, look, if they're confident and and take the ball first, I, I wouldn't hate it. I'd kind of, I'd kind of like that. Uh, That would kind of be like a, it's an alpha move. Yeah. It would be, you got to do something with it. Yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm with you. South Florida green child. He asks with Manny saying, we need to focus on stopping their run game. Do you expect us to load the box and sell out uh, for the run early to force them to pass so we can bring our rush in exotic blisses? I'll answer this quickly. I would say definitely yes. Yeah. You know, I would sell out to stop the run. And like I said, force Bryce Young to make difficult throws downfield, right? Uh, Alabama certainly has some personnel at wide receiver that you would be worried about uh, getting downfield in a hurry and generating explosive plays, but you also got to see him do it. Right. So if I'm Miami, stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. That's key. Number one, two, three. What do you think? Nah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think you just got to try to put as much pressure, as much different pressure, unique pressures that you can put on Bryce, just give him as many different looks as you can. And uh, you know, Hopefully that just hope that, you know, you, you confuse them enough one time where maybe you can, you know, force a turnover or just like, you know, just really just get into the box and just really continue like continuously make plays uh, in that running game. So I think that's the way you sort of got to approach that. Mario K 94 asks with Zion just getting back into practice this week, is there a concern about the level of cohesiveness on the offensive line due to a lack of time working together? Or is Zion the kind of guy that you can just plug in without hesitation despite lack of time to gel with the rest of the line? So for me, I don't have um, concerns about continuity with Zion. I just have general concerns about, you know, his health in terms of like how healthy is he coming back from whatever he was dealing with. And, And Manny Diaz today on Wednesday again said he's looked good in practice. So he's he's certainly tried to um, quiet anything in that regard, but still 
there's it's a different level when when you're playing against Alabama. Of course, you want to be close to 100. But yeah. in terms of cohesiveness, I don't have much of a concern yeah. there. I'm not worried about the cohesiveness at all. I feel like he's been a two-year starter there. I mean, he's played basically for two straight years there. I think they kind of know what he's got there. I feel like he's pretty comfortable there. You know, I don't think and it's going to be like, oh, Zion's there now. Like something's going to be off. So definitely not worried about that. Kane since 96 says, how do you compare this Alabama team to last year's Clemson team in the offensive and defensive line talent? So I'll just give my quick overview here. I think, you know, in my opinion, I think Alabama's offensive line is much more talented, frankly, than, than Clemson's was. Um, but again, it's game one. Uh, game ones are tricky times for offensive lines. So was Clemson's offensive line more cohesive when they played Miami last year? Probably. Um, but in terms of pure talent, I think Alabama's is much more talented defensive line. I would probably parse it this way. I think Clemson's interior defensive line is more talented. Like last year's Clemson was more talented than the interior of Alabama's defensive line. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think, you know, the edge rushers, you give the nod to Alabama. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you there. Kane crew five, one, five. He wants to say, what are the biggest concerns Miami fans should have heading into this game? I'm worried about our front seven getting handled against a heavy rushing attack. And can our offense generate big plays against the number one defense in the country? Yeah, I agree with that. You have anything else to add? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds pretty concerning. So yeah, no, I think that's a, I think those are very fair concerns at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, again, you gotta stop the run. Alabama is going to try and impose their will. And, you know, again, referencing the Clemson game of of last year, right? Miami's wide receivers could not get loose against those Clemson DBs. And, uh, you know, Alabama's DBs are are definitely of the same caliber, probably better. And, but the counterpoint is Miami's wide receiver group is a different looking bunch than what they rolled out there with Clemson, right? Charleston Rambo. Uh, transfer edition, Keyshawn Smith, a new starter this year. Um, also, too, Mike Harley took yeah. his game to another level after that Clemson game. Yeah. So I feel like it's a much more confident Mike Harley. Right. So we'll have a better barometer. We will have a barometer on, on how good this wide receiver position is after this Alabama game, in my opinion. Uh, Winton18, he asks... How many rushing attempts will Derek need in order for us to win the game? Man, I don't know. I thought, I mean, I don't know if there's like, is there like a number on it? Like, I don't know about attempts. To me, it's more just yards. Yeah, for like, me, it's just, yeah. I just think he needs to be like highly efficient, you know? So what's like, the yards? Like, I don't know. And I'm, this I, includes the negative sack yardage, Yeah, right? exactly. That's, so, that's, what's, that's what's always like, Confused. I think just like positive, like pure run yards. I mean, I'd like to see him get like, you know, closer to like probably 80, 90 around there. I'm not saying he has to run for a hundred yards, but I do think he needs to, you know, be a guy that a threat. Just, uh, yeah. He needs to be a threat in the game. Like he can't just be like, Oh, I'll break one off for five, six yards here and there. Like he needs to be able to eventually tell make a, a few big plays with his Tell legs. me this. Does it matter to you in terms of whether it's a scramble run or a designed quarterback run? I think it'll be more scrambling run. Like, right. I feel like that'll be more of what he does, you know, like, I'm not sure how many pure design runs he's going to, he's going to get, but I mean, I would expect him to, you know, make, make something out of, out of nothing. I feel like right. that's what the air King's been throughout his college career. I think that's one of the like facets of his game that makes him so sort of lethal at times. And, right. you know, we saw it at times last year. I mean, I think you got to see that sort of improvisation. Again, that's typically what Alabama struggled with a guy that can do that. A guy that has that extra sort of, you know, right. gear that he can, you know, just do things. Cause they're used to just, you know, I feel like there's a lot of just like sort of statues maybe in the SEC. I feel like when you have those sort of guys, um, you know, that's, that's how you do it. If you, unless if you're not gonna have a guy's going to throw for like four fifty like a Joe Burrow, you need like a, a Johnny Manziel esque type. That's just going to be a, a, just really just a right. pest in the pocket and in the backfield and throughout the rest of the game. I agree. The scrambling keys are, are the scrambling yards are key. Um, you know, maybe 40 scrambling yards. I don't know. Pro football focus does track that stat though. 
Um, and in terms of like him running the ball, like I do think it's important for him to establish that he will pull the ball on zone reads, right? Yeah. Like he, he at least does need to be somewhat of a threat for Alabama. So they don't just totally always key in on the running back in, in those situations. Um, but yes, there's no doubt, like, like you were saying, Gabby, if you look at all the recent quarterbacks that have managed to beat Alabama, there is that run threat. Um, even like Joe Burrow, he, I think he ran for 40 yards in that game. So he was a sneaky, good runner. Um, Shane UM asks, did you expect Jafari Harvey to start based on what you all saw? Yeah. I mean, I did. I feel like he was pretty much consistently the, you know, one of the starting ends throughout the, the entire, just throughout fall camp. Uh, I wasn't surprised at all. I would have seen, I would have been more surprised to see someone else starting over Jafari Harvey. It felt like he was going to be the guy, like this was like his year to sort of, you know, get a shot. And uh, yeah, no, definitely wasn't surprised at all. Yeah, I think the surprise was more so Zach McLeod. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe beating out a DeAndre Johnson, but it does seem, I think maybe they're asking this question because Harvey is listed ahead of DeAndre Johnson on the depth chart. Got you. So okay. that'd be my guess. But yeah, I mean, look, I think all these defensive ends are going to play close to 50-50 snap distribution. Um, you know, I think if they're if this defensive line is good, it's because they are able to roll um, at a 50-50 split in terms of backups and starters. So we'll see if that works out against Alabama. Kane Fan up north, he wants to know, what should Miami's offense focus on attacking versus Alabama's defense? Um, I feel like we've kind of addressed this, but yeah. to me, again, like I do think the running backs and tight ends, you do need to make them a factor in the passing game. And you do need to go at the second cornerback, whoever it is, Jalen Armour Davis, it looks like is going to start. Um, I would test him. And quite frankly, I think you need to show the ability to run inside, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's not going to be easy against Alabama, but you, you know, you got to trust in the size of Navon Donaldson, Jalen Rivers, Corey Gaynor up front to, to try and get some push. And uh, you gotta, you gotta make that a threat as well. Those inside run plays. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think, I think running the ball is huge. I mean, I think that's one of the things you have to do um, in this game. I feel like that's something Miami wants to do. Like, I feel like that's just like a huge, I feel like that's been a huge point of emphasis for that offensive staff or the offense in general, you know, this off season is just being better at running the ball. Again, when you, when you said David start with Jalen Rivers and Devon Donaldson as those, as the interior guards, Corey Gaynor as well as the center, you know, I think getting a push. And then again, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to, I think you gotta be able to hit those chunk plays. You gotta be able to push the right. ball down the field on the outside. I think, you know, going at Jalen Armour Davis, um, you know, even, you know, potentially going, I know Josh Job didn't give up a ton, but, you know, I feel like you gotta, you gotta try to take your shots whenever you can. And, uh, you know, I think you, I, I don't think you'd be afraid to, you know, throw the ball downfield and, you know, hope that these guys come down with it. I think that's a part of the recipe of beating Bama is just winning those balls. And so I think that's, I think you have to take those shots as well. Yep. And if you're going to take those shots, you also, of course, have to block it up. Right. Yeah. So Will Anderson's going to be coming around that corner, coming off that edge, you know, Zion Nelson, I would give Zion some help, whether that's running back tight end, you know, help him with some blocking there. So you yeah. can get those shots downfield off. Um, see Perry co has a pretty, uh, creative question. I like it. If Miami were to win, what three players would be, would we be talking about for the next few years? Example, the 2017 Notre Dame game, you had the Braxton Berrios touchdown, the Trajan Bandy pick six and the Jonathan Garvin strip sack. So Gabby, if Miami is able to shock the world and beat Alabama, who are the three players? We've kind of touched on this, but I think one would have to be Derek King, yeah. right? We can agree on that. Yeah. Um, you got you got another you got another one you want to I bring? Think, I think I think it's got to. I know I mentioned before. I think it's one. It's got to be Rambo or just an outside okay. receiver. It could be Keyshawn Smith, like you know, a guy making a big play in the end zone, getting behind the defense on a long touchdown. 
And like, you know, the bandy pick six, I think there's got to be some sort of defensive touchdown. Like, I think you have yeah, to, or agreed. just some massive turnover that, you know, leads to a score. Like, a, you know, it could be a strip sack, could be Jafari Harvey coming off the edge and, you know, right. hitting Bryce Young on the numbers and, you know, forcing the ball out and something like that. I think, uh, you know, it could be uh, a Bubba Bolden pick. It could be uh, something right. like that. Uh, forced fumble on a running back, something like that. I think it's got to be some sort of defensive touchdown or just massive momentum shifting turnover. Yeah, if Miami wins, it's because of explosive touchdowns and turnovers, right? Um, Just head-to-head, Alabama is more talented. And so if if Alabama plays the best game they can play and Miami plays the best game they can play, Alabama is going to win that game. So, yeah, Miami's got to go out and make plays. And I agree with those picks, right? Bubba Bolden maybe getting a turnover, et cetera. Um, Rattler Kane, 1,500. How many times will the turnover chain need to come out to get the win? I say two. Yeah, at I'd least say, I'd say at least two or three. And Miami can't go out yeah. like Miami yeah. has to play a clean game, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, two or three, and you can't. I think, have, I think the tur- I think the turnover margin has to be like two or three. Right, that's Miami fair. Win that game. Rattler Kane fifteen hundred. He had a lot of questions, so we picked out two of them. How will Arroyo? Uh, impact the game and what NFL or previous UM player would be a comparison to his style of play. So let's start with impact the game, right? Uh, I do think he'll be on the field quite a bit, honestly, for the offense. Um, You know, I think Miami likes the idea of the versatility that two tight ends gives the offense. Do you think he'll be on the field for more than for, so over under 20 offensive snaps for Arroyo. Hmm. Under 20? I might go – I'd probably go under. Okay. Yeah, I might yeah. go under. I think, I think under is probably the best bet, but I wouldn't be shocked if it is like 25, right? Yeah. Um, comparing him to previous UM player, I don't know. Do you have anything – I don't really have a previous like UM player. I was just looking at like, like just like NFL tight ends. I landed on like Noah Fant, you know, he played at Iowa. I feel like they have yeah. pretty similar body types. Uh, you know, pa- I feel like they're pass catchers first. Um, you know, Noah Fant was a first rounder out of Iowa. Um, right. You know, again, a, another school that runs sort of like two tight end that like, you know, isn't afraid to run like the two tight end sets. You know, they had TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant in that same draft class. So you know, I think that uh, I think that was like one that I was just like, all right, I, I can sort of see like a little no fan action. They're very again, six, they're both six four. I think no offense, like two forty nine, but obviously he's in the NFL. Elijah Royal listed at two thirty five. I think he can definitely get closer to that, you know, two fifty range. Like I think Will right. Mallory is basically already there, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him become like a bigger body. Maybe if he even grows, maybe even like you know, like a Mark Andrews type, maybe or even like a Jaseki who's just like a pure pass catcher and all that stuff. So. I might go, I don't, I don't really feel good about this, to be honest, but I might go Jeremy Shockey. Um, yeah. Similar size. I feel like similar athleticism, mm-hmm. like good athleticism, more of like a smooth kind of athleticism. I don't yeah. know. Um, and, and willing blocker. I, I, I'll go with Jeremy Shockey just to answer the question in terms yeah. of former UM tight ends. Um, so last question, uh, yeah. Is this the last question? Yeah. From yeah. Slim Dick Jerry. <laughs> How do All you right. see scoring the, f- or sorry, who do you see scoring the first touchdown for Miami? I'm going to go Cameron Harris. Hot take. Okay. No, that's, hot. and when, at what point of the game does that happen, Gabby? Oh, that's a, huh. I will go second offensive drive. Okay, so first quarter touchdown. First quarter touchdown. Feel good about that. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go a pass. De'Ara King to Will Mallory. That's fair. Dump it off in the flat. Love Will it. Will gets upfield, hits the pylon. Touchdown. First drive of the game. Love that. How about that? That would be great to me. I would be, <laughs> I'd be all jacked up. So, yeah, this was fun. Thanks again for the good questions from the crew, the posters at InsideTheU.com. Appreciate you guys for uh, supporting us 
as a website and as a podcast. Uh, game day keeps creeping closer and closer, Gabby. Um, we will do an official preview podcast in our next podcast. Probably release that late Thursday, super early Friday. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. But excited to jump into kind of our in-depth thoughts on the game uh, coming up. So again, thanks for listening. Until next time, guys, take care. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats.